Welcome to worship, friends. Bienvenidos a todos, amigos. We are so grateful that we are able to once again connect together in worship. And we celebrate that many of you are connecting with us and with each other in a variety of spaces. And so we want to shout out to those of you who are connecting in your garage or maybe at a park or in your backyard, or maybe you're connecting with us in our physical space. We also want to shout out to our guys at the Kiwani Life Skills Reentry Center who are connecting in that space. And we just want you to know that we see you and that we are praying for you and can't wait until we can connect with you again in, in physical space. Um, we are so grateful that God continues to show up in this Life in Circles conversation as he invites us to stretch and maybe expand our circle to include others, um, but also to live more fully into the circle of relationship that the Godhead models for us. Forever 
says nothing. The king of all kings came to serve, washing my feet, covering me with your love. Si es más de ti, negarme a mí. our very hearts to see Jesus's return and his kingdom of peace and justice and love fully realized. Because we live in a tension of a now and a not yet, we have an invitation to be a part of what God is doing in the world. This world that is broken and fractured, a world that is longing for the healing that only Jesus can fully bring. 
We all find ourselves in this story, in this world, in different places, but we all have felt and experienced the brokenness of this world in our circles, both intimate and corporate. It is in these places of challenge and difficulty that we seek advice, we seek help and guidance. And in essence, we are really seeking wisdom. Wisdom that can really only come from listening to God, to Jesus, and Holy Spirit. So we're going to engage in a practice of listening, which could, I understand, seem a little unique. Do we really need practice in listening? But I believe now, more than ever, the practice of listening is needed. Looking all the way back to Genesis, we see that God spoke directly to Adam and Eve, and they chose not to listen fully to what he said, and the fracturing of the relationship between God his creation began. When Jesus arrived in flesh, one of his invitations was to listen to him. He talked about sheep knowing shepherd's voice, listening, and that would provide protection, healing, and life. I'm going to invite us into thinking through three areas of life that could have a place of, of difficulty or tension, and then say a simple phrase, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So take a bit of space and then listen and then hear a refrain, the words of God spoken to you in the midst of that place. So I invite you now just to think through an area possibly of, of personal challenge. Maybe there's a place of stress, a place of worry or anxiety or maybe something as strong as an addiction in your life. And just say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And then let us listen for a moment. And then hear God's words to you, that my grace is all you need, that my power works best in weakness. Now I invite you to think through possibly a relational difficulty, something a little broader than yourself. Maybe it's a, a challenge you're having with a spouse, a child, or, or a family member. And then just say those simple words again. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And hear the words of God to you. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Now let's broaden our thinking to the community around us. We all have seen the difficulties that we sit in, whether that's race relations or interpersonal relationships, different communities and organizations, maybe even government struggles. Those are places that we need to have wisdom as well. So let us say together, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And hear God say, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Spirit, may we continue to listen. May we continue to seek your voice of wisdom and guidance in all that we do. So speak, Lord, even now. We are listening. Amen. Sing this with me. All of creation. Jesus is coming soon. 
Well, hey, everybody. I want to welcome all of you from wherever you're tuning in from. If you're joining us online, maybe on the television, or perhaps joining us from our Bettendorf or Rock Island campuses, welcome. Yeah, this is the first weekend that we're beginning to re-engage with in-person gatherings with all the appropriate precautions. And if you're one of the folks that have taken the opportunity to gather in our campus spaces this weekend, I just want to say welcome back. But I also want to welcome those of you who are still connecting with us remotely, because this is a season where we're inviting you to connect and engage as you feel, as you feel comfortable. We're going to continue to provide those digital spaces, but also to incrementally begin to re-engage in physical space as well. So wherever you're joining us from, I just want to say I'm thrilled to have these next few moments together to dig into God's word and to live more fully into life that Jesus came to give us. In fact, what we're doing today in the next few moments is just having the next level conversation in our Life in Circles journey. I want to encourage you to use the Life in Circles booklet if you've downloaded it or grabbed a hard copy at one of our locations. It's a great resource, not only for this time, but through the course of the week and encourage you to use it along this entire journey. And what we're really doing in the Life in Circles conversation is taking an opportunity to be intentional stewards of our relational circles, uh, of really, of our life. And as we walk through this season, we're just understanding and recognizing that we're all connected in circles, all of us. Uh, the circles can be big or small, they can be public or private, 
Uh, some of them are daily circles that we connect in. Some are seasonal. And then there are actually some circles that are so big and so broad that we actually never fully see them, like the family of God, the family of believers. We know that we're part of something bigger. We know that we are connected by one spirit, one truth, and one Lord. And our Life in Circles journey is giving us an opportunity just to be intentional in thinking through how we're engaging in our circles, that we are all connected in circles. My circles include my spiritual circle around relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Spirit. I have a circle of relationship around my family with my wife and my kids. I have a circle of friends, a circle of coworkers, a circle of the heritage family, a variety of different circles. And we're all connected in circles, and those circles may be different. But we have them, and we have to be intentional on how we engage them. Jesus even had circles. He had a circle of 12 disciples, but within that circle of 12, he had a group of three, Peter, James, and John, who he just engaged with a little more intentionally. Then we also know that he had a circle beyond the 12 of about 72 people who were walking and following him, and then even beyond were more who walked and followed Jesus as Messiah and as Lord. We're all connected in circles. We all have them. They may be different, but as we saw last week, when they are healthy, we're healthy. When they're not healthy, we're not healthy. So what I want to invite you to do today is lean in with me in looking at how we're engaging in our circles, how we individually, personally, are engaging in the circles of relationship that we have. I really want to invite you to process how you're connecting with God and others out of who you are, if you're doing it fully, if you're living into the full life that Jesus actually came to give us. Because how we sit in the circles of relationships it matters. We can actually be in a circle of relationship, physically present, but not mentally there, not mentally engaged. Some of you may be already daydreaming out of this message time, so you're, you're present to some degree, but not mentally engaged. We can, be, we can be physically present, but not emotionally present. We can even actually be emotionally or mentally present in a circle, but not spiritually present. And it's important to understand that for us to be whole and to be healthy, requires healthy engagement in circles of relationship because we're made for community. We're made for God and by God, and He positions us to live in context of relationship with others. So in this journey, we're actually settling in and around a couple of different scriptures. One that is anchoring for us that we looked at last week is in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. If you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. But this passage actually reminds us of how Jesus positions us, how we actually can have wholeness. We can, we can find wholeness, we can have health in our circles of relationship, and that all starts with God. In fact, here's what we read in Hebrews chapter 10. It, because of who Jesus is, therefore, because of His blood, we can have actually confidence to approach the throne of God, we can, we can approach God. So it's through Jesus as a great high priest that we can come before God in relationship with Him, and so here's what it actually says when we look down with Jesus as a great high priest in verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 10. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance of that, that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. You know, in those few lines, we can catch a glimpse of the, the hope that Jesus offers, what he brings for us in life, but we also find a few words that, that give us a glimpse into the reality that there's more to life, there's, there's more to us than maybe meets the eye. That there are maybe more to who we really are or realize than what we see at first glance. These words are words like heart and faith and conscience and bodies those words begin to give us insight into who we are and really how we function, how we live. You know, in all reality, we're not made to do life alone. We're, we're created by God for Him and for a relationship with others. And that happens out of how He has created us. And this actually might be helpful to think in terms of who we actually are how we view ourselves and how we function in relationship to other people. It, we need to take a moment to understand something about who we are. See, we all, all of us, have a body. We all have a physical body. We, we have a, a body that grows, a body that may have aches and pains, but we have a body. But we're not just a physical body because 
in our body is the reality that we also have a mind. We have a body, but we have a mind. There, there is a psyche, there's a place of our will, our conscience, a, a place of our desire and affection. We have a mind, but yet it doesn't stop there. We also have been given by God and why, how we're created to have a spirit. We, as people, have body, mind, and spirit. Now, that may not be a surprise to you, but what I want to encourage you to do is think about how you interact with the reality of these three dynamics. Some people look at the fact that we have body, mind, and spirit and say they're totally separate. They don't have any connection. They don't relate to one another. Sometimes we actually say, well, I have a body, but my mind and spirit is something totally different. It doesn't, doesn't come into connection with every, anything I do in the physical world. There are others who say, well, my mind and my body, they intersect my spiritual dynamic. They either doesn't exist or has nothing to do with how I live on a daily basis. And we can find ourselves kind of pushing and arranging these dynamics in unique ways. We can even push mind and body together and then once in a while say, well, the spiritual dynamic does matter. And we try to lay it on top of maybe on the weekends. It matters who we are in relationship to God. But the rest of the week, our mind and body is our own. How we relate to these dynamics may vary. The truth is, although they are distinct, they are interconnected. They are related. And even though we may push or pull, mash them together in different ways, it'll never feel quite right until we have the right balance and the right alignment and the right priority and the right positioning. See, we experience the world through our body and then we process it with our mind. But it's in our spirit that we can understand and overcome. Our spirit actually can transform our mind and our mind can influence our body. And that is the space that we can actually live, that we can have life. And life is important. It's so important. Jesus actually declared he came for life. He came that you and I would have full life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it captures his words. And I want to read it just out of the amplified version, slightly different nuance to it than maybe you've heard before. He said, I came that they may have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Jesus came that we would have that life. He gave his life so that we would have life, but also so that we would live life. Now, not just next or in the future. See, the story in Scripture, in the Bible, even specifically the four Gospels, isn't about a God who sent Jesus the Son to rescue souls from this life for another life. That's not what the story is. That's not the narrative. The narrative is actually about how God, through Jesus as King, sent him to restore life, to give full life on earth as it is in heaven. There is a now and next reality. It is life to the full. But many people never fully experience the life that Jesus came for because they live fragmented in body, mind, and spirit and don't understand how they intersect and relate. They may mix and match. They may even pull tops and bottoms and try to change the dynamic within the space. But the truth is they are, they are distinct, but they are interconnected. And what John 10.10 reminds us in the words of Jesus is that he came for something complete. He came for something abundant and full and overflowing. And if we don't engage in healthy ways around body, mind, and spirit, it's not complete. It's all three is how we've been created, how we've been positioned to live life and life to the full. Jesus came that we would have life, but he came that we would live life in body, mind, and spirit now not just next. That life, that overflowing abundant life is for today, not just for when we die. There is an eternal component beyond because of the reality we are spiritual beings. But we have a body and we have a mind and all three are part of living into the fullness of life. So as we lean into this conversation just a bit deeper, I want you to understand something about Jesus. Jesus cares about your well-being. He cares about our well-being, body, mind, and spirit. All three dynamics, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual. He says it, he facilitates it, and he proves it by his life and his death and his resurrection. Jesus cares about your well-being.
He understands the prominence of the spiritual reality, but he also understands the relevance of both the emotional and the physical, the body and the mind dynamic. He came for full, abundant life, overflowing life, and that will always include body, mind, and spirit. Three in one, if you would. Maybe it would help, though, just to think about it this way with me for a few moments. There is a fundamental reality that we all can understand that there is a body, there is a mind, and there is a spirit dynamic to who we are. This is the physical, this is the emotional, this is the spiritual. And in the spiritual is where we can actually know God. In the, the mind component, the, the psychological, the psyche component, this is where we can know ourself. And in the body dynamic is how we know, interact, and relate to the world and those around us. In this dynamic, we have five senses, sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch. This is how we process and know the world. When it comes to knowing ourselves, that, that's a space of our will. It, it's a space of psyche and heart and desire and affection. And, and we can know ourselves in this dynamic in our conscience, conscious space. Some would even equate this specifically to the soul dynamic. But then there's the spiritual, which brings its own level of awareness, uh, own level of knowledge and sensing, because we actually can know God. He says, be still and know that I am God. This is a very unique combination that if we're not careful, it gets really complex. If it's misaligned or if any one of these is lacking in any way, life can get really difficult. We can find ourselves not li really living in healthy spaces. But as a people who are both body, mind, and spirit, we can say that, that this is the space of, of doing, this is the space of being, and it intersects in how, we relate, how they relate to one another. Now, here's the thing. Even though this can get complex, even though it can get nuanced, the beauty is that it was Jesus, it is Jesus, who pulls it all together. He, he, he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. He gives us life. In fact, that's not the only thing he does. See, Jesus as the Prince of Peace, when we lean into relationship with him, he gives us peace. In the midst of worry, in the midst of fear, he gives us peace that passes understanding as we guard our heart and mind in him. Even though we will have trouble in this world, even though there will be things that are painful or sorrowful, he gives us peace. He also gives us power. See, he, he lived and died and rose again. He conquered sin and death. So by his resurrection, he gives us resurrection power, but he also imparts and leaves Holy Spirit to be a guide, to be a help, to lead us along the way. There is power available in how we manage these dynamics. But then as he already declared in John 10, 10, he came that we would have life. Life. It's new life. It's full life. It's eternal life. Jesus gives us life new. He gives us life now. And he gives us life next in the world to come. We are a people who are body, mind, and spirit. Jesus positions us to not just know, but to relate fully holy, abundantly, in an overflowing dynamic. All that we are, in all that we do, as a people who are both body and mind and spirit in this life. It's a wonderful dynamic of who Jesus is and what he came to do. In fact, somebody once said that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. <laughs> he came to make dead people live. Dead people come to life. And he imparts to us life, new life in spirit, when we trust him. Jesus is the one who gives us life and life to the full. Some may want to argue that there is three separate dynamics that don't intersect at all. That there might just be two, but not one. Some would actually even go on to say that we are nothing but a physical body in this life. But I want to tell you that all three dynamics exist. And Jesus came for the good of all three. 
three things that are inextricably linked by God's design, body, mind, and spirit. It's a unit. It's a team. It's an amalgamation. (laughs) How about that for a $10 word? The, The reality is that this dynamic of body, mind, and spirit is why it matters what we do with our bodies. It's why it matters about what we think about, what we put into our mind, and why it matters the condition of our spirit, the condition of our soul in this life. When we treat them separate, when we treat them disconnected, we don't function wholly whole. We're fractured, we're fragmented. And it was, it was the Apostle Paul who highlighted the importance of body, mind, and spirit when he wrote something to the church in a place called Thessalonica. If you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here's what he said. I'm going to read this out of the message translation. He said, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body. All three. That word for soul literally is psyche. It speaks to our will. It speaks to that conscience. That speaks to our desires and affections. Spirit, soul, and body. And keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he will do it. Paul is identifying a completeness, a wholeness. Not that much unlike how Jesus talked about if we love God, we love him with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Very similar fullness, wholeness dynamic in spirit, soul, and body. Another translation from from 1 Thessalonians actually says, may God sanctify you through and through, holy, your whole spirit, soul, and body. There is a very clear wholeheartedness, a, a fullness, a life abundant and full in body, mind, and spirit. And Jesus came for us to experience that. And one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to separate the spirit out as something totally separate from the rest of who we are emotionally and physically. We're connected. We're created to be a people. And if we're going to experience wholehearted wholeness, that full and abundant life, it will always involve body, mind, and spirit. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this. Being wholly whole involves body, mind, and spirit. It involves an intentional stewardship of the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual dynamics of our lives. And if we're going to experience the the wholeness that Paul describes, that holy whole dynamic, it will involve our body, our mind, and our spirit. The, The three together in harmony and in unison. So really what it kind of tells us to do, or at least pushes us towards, is to stop being a people who separate them as if they're independent and disconnected. They're not. They are distinct, but interconnected. And if we care for body, mind, and spirit, then we're positioned to thrive in life, not just survive. We can navigate the trouble of this world, as Jesus tells us to, and we can take heart in the midst of it. He is the Prince of Peace. And he gives us peace that passes understanding when we guard our heart and mind in him. But it all starts and starts to move because we put our faith and trust in him. And he moves us from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. That dynamic shifts everything about who we are, everything about how we live in this world. Now here's another component of this thing. We can only go so far on our own in these dynamics. We need God, we need Jesus to move, but we also need others because we're created in the context of community with others. We also need his word. The Bible is a guide for us. Holy Spirit is a guide counselor. The Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit, then allows us to process in our mind, and then we move by our body in this world. So here's what I want you to take time to consider. Where are you at in the fullness and abundance and overflowing reality of being someone who is both body, mind, and spirit? Because of who Jesus is. He came to give life and life to the full. It isn't just about the spiritual. It is about the spiritual. That's not it alone, though. It is also about our mental and emotional. It is about our heart. And it is also about our body physically. He came for us to have life, not just in the life to come, but life now, a life that is abundant and overflowing. So where do you need to actually invest to experience the fullness he came for? It's going to start by acknowledging lordship first. We need Jesus to make us spiritually alive again. We're spiritually dead until we do. 
until we give him control, until we ask him to be Lord, until we ask him to cleanse our conscience, to cleanse our lives of sin, and, and to be holy, purified, forgiven. Once that happens, then we're spiritually alive, and that begins to change the dynamic for our mind, which then ultimately ripples to how we function in our body. It's a very comprehensive but beautiful process when we allow him to work wholly and fully in us. So where do you need to start? For some of you, you actually need to start by receiving Jesus as Lord. You've just never done it. You believe he existed. You believe he came. You believe he's the Son of God. But you have not said, Jesus, I give you authority to make me new, to make me whole, spiritually alive. If you realize you need to do that today in the notes online or in the note guide, if you downloaded it from our webpage, are some simple steps to move from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And the moment you do, there's a ripple into mind and body beyond spirit. I encourage you to take that step. Once you do, or if you already have, then it's about intentionally stewarding and managing the nuances within all three. And what I want to do is just give you some practical handholds, just a few ways to really maybe exercise your body, exercise your mind, and exercise your spirit to, to develop and grow in all three arenas. Let's just talk for a moment about the body itself. I mean, you know, you could physically start exercising, literally walking, running, biking, just getting out and working your body to be more physically fit, uh, joining a gym. There are ways to improve our physical health by literal exercise. But there's also an opportunity just to be more intentional in how we eat, what we eat, maybe even how much sleep we get or to even just consider the current condition of our bodies, where stress and worry are, where we're tense, where, where we're not living fully in healthy ways. I encourage you just to be a little more intentional because our bodies are actually the space that the Holy Spirit dwells and we're responsible for tending our bodies. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 6, we can read that you do not know, or excuse me, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. In verse 20, it says, you were bought at a price. That price was Jesus. And therefore says, therefore honor God with your bodies. My friends, I want to encourage you to honor God with your bodies, to be intentional in exercising towards health as you manage and steward the temple of the Holy Spirit. That will ultimately then also affect the mind. Uh, I want to encourage you to consider ways of being mindful, engaging in intentional thoughts. Consider what your thoughts are. Are they healthy? Are they, are they God-honoring? One of the best ways that we can help our mind to be healthy is to memorize Scripture, to, to lay hold of Scripture out of the Bible that applies to us that maybe is relevant to our particular journey so that we know who we are and who He is. I encourage you to memorize Scripture along the way. One of the things you can do is follow the, the counsel of Psalm 4610, as I alluded earlier, that it's just to be still and know that He is God. Because in a space of stillness, we can seek wisdom, we can find strength in Him, we can find peace, we can find forgiveness, and we can find the strength and ability to forgive. That stillness dynamic is important for the mind. But then there's also the dynamic of our spirit. Our spirit. Spirit is a place of faith. It's a place of, that we can grow in His presence. We grow by being in His presence. We live not just by flesh, we actually live by spirit as we stay in step with the spirit. Uh, the Apostle Paul also said in Galatians 5, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So I encourage you to make it priority to tend to your spiritual dynamic, to set aside time to be in His presence. He, he transforms us from the inside out. And that's the dynamic we need to understand. So which do you need to work on this week? Where do you need to strengthen and prove the, the relationship between who you really are so you can experience the full life that Jesus came for? That where does it need to be aligned in your life? In fact, it was Paul, again, who in Romans 12, and this is actually in the NIV in, in your notes, but I'm going to read it in the message in a moment. The NIV may be more familiar to you. It's where, where we're called to therefore offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's a spiritual act of worship. And then we're not to conform to culture of the world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then we know the will of God. But let me just read that same passage to you in the message translation. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life. Your life in circles. All the circles of relationship. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God has done for you is the best thing you can do for Him. 
Let him do the work he wants to do in you. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. From the inside out. Listen, my friends, I want you to be intentional in tending to body, mind, and spirit. The, the reality of that dynamic is so important. We cannot tend to one and manage, steward well the one with, at the exclusion of any other. We have to be intentional in managing them all as he indicates, as he directs in his word. There needs to be balanced and not misaligned, not lacking in any way. But the beauty of what we're talking about, when we step into a relationship with Jesus and are given spiritual life, we're made new, then the reality of having spiritual life inserts into the reality of our mind. And our mind can be transformed. We can find peace amidst trouble. We can let go of worry and fear. Our mind is transformed, which then ultimately positions us with a mind transformed to live in a body that is fully whole, fully and abundantly experiencing life, living into fullness in every arena, in all the circles of life, having peace that passes understanding as we guard our heart and mind in Him, having the confidence to come before Him as He works from the inside out. So, as you continue to process the realities that Jesus came for you to have a full life that intersects body, mind, and spirit, I want to encourage you to be intentional in stewarding all of those dynamics. He, whatever's been broken in body, whatever's been broken in your heart or mind, whatever's been broken spiritually, He wants to heal and mend. He wants to empower. Let Him be intentional in creating space to exercise body, mind, spirit. My friends, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And you and I can be alive in Him today. foes are many, they rise against me, but I will hold my ground. I will not fear the war, I will not fear the storm, my help is on the way, my help is on the way.
I'm so thankful for the fullness of life that Jesus came to bring us in mind, body, and spirit. That he invites us to live wholly whole, to be all that he created us to be. And you know, we find that wholeness actually in connection with others. So we want to make it as simple as possible for you to connect in circles of relationship in this season, to experience what God has for you being fully alive in yourself, but also in relationship with others. So if you're looking to find your next step of connection in circles of relationship with God, others, or your purpose, we invite you to text CONNECT to 309-250-2007. We'll be in touch with you with some great next steps for how you can do that. One of our great next opportunities to take a next step is actually River Baptism, where we celebrate that we are fully alive and free to live in Jesus. We're gonna be joining the rest of our heritage family, the whole heritage family, at the Rock River on July 12th at 10 a.m. at the Backwater Gamblers site. You are not gonna wanna miss this opportunity to celebrate, to see the lives that Jesus has been changing in this season, and to give him honor and glory for the fullness of life that he is bringing. If your next step of in relationship with Jesus is baptism, then you'll wanna register for that opportunity using the Church Center app or going to heritageqc.com. Again, you aren't going to want to miss these opportunities to celebrate, to see what God has done, and to take your next steps. I can't wait to see what God does in the days ahead. It's been so good to connect in worship, to connect in our circles of relationship, and to experience the reminder that God has invited us to fullness of life. Can't wait to see you next week. So if you lived in ancient Bible times, odds are you lived under the authority of a king. And many of these kings claimed that they were gods, and they would even call themselves the image of God. Meaning they had authority to tell people what to do, order things to be made. Yeah, they got to define good and evil. And these kings would often make statues of themselves, which in Hebrew were called tselem, often translated as idol or image. But for Israel, they didn't view their kings as the God. In fact, they were never supposed to even make images of God. It's exactly right. And that was really unique for that time and culture. This is rooted, first of all, in Israel's belief that you can't reduce the creator God down to any one thing in creation. But there's another reason. People aren't to make images of God because God has already made images of himself. When did he do that? Let's go to page one of the Bible. And the first person we meet there is God. He's the one with authority over all creation. He speaks and creation obeys. And he defines what is good and not good. In other words, he alone is king. But then surprisingly, as the pinnacle of all of God's creative work, he makes humans. And he calls all of them the image of God. So he gives all humans the authority to rule. Exactly. That's what he goes on to say. He tells the humans to subdue the earth and to rule it. And so this task that once belonged only to elite kings is here in the Bible the task of every human being. This was a revolutionary statement in its day because all humans are being called to rule and to participate in the human project. So what does this mean? I mean, how are we all supposed to rule? So the picture we get in Genesis is gardening. Gardening? Yes. Gardening. So they rule the earth by cultivating it, by harnessing all of the earth's raw potential and then making something more and new out of it. So growing food for each other. Yes, but that also includes growing families then, which become neighborhoods. And then they create communities where people are going to work and take care of each other and build businesses and cities that will expand to new places and so on. So ruling is really the day-to-day acts of our work and creativity. Yes, we take the world somewhere. This is humanity's divine and sacred task. Yeah, and this all sounds really nice. And humans have designed some pretty great things. But just as often we create things that cause a lot of suffering and a lot of injustice, so maybe we shouldn't actually be ruling. Yeah, so the Bible addresses this. 
In Genesis, what happens is that God gives humans a choice about how they're going to rule. So are they going to use their authority for the benefit of others, which is God's definition of good, or are they going to turn away and define good and evil for themselves and use their authority for self-advantage? And in the story, they choose to define good and evil on their own terms. And so this is the Bible's depiction of the human condition. So sometimes we pull off amazingly good stuff, but just as often, despite our best intentions, we act selfishly and we create evil in the world. And so we're stuck as mediocre rulers making a mess of things. But that's not the end of the story. So the Bible goes on and it makes this claim that all of this was resolved when God bound himself to humanity through Jesus. And he showed us what it looks like to truly rule as a human. So what does it look like? Well, Jesus ruled by serving and by seeking the best for others, by putting himself underneath them and loving not just his friends, but also his enemies. And that's not a typical way to rule. And not only that, Jesus confronted the consequences of all of the evil and the death that we have created by our messed up ways of ruling. And he takes it. I mean, he lets it kill him. And so when the New Testament writers looked back to Jesus' resurrection, they see a whole new future opening up for all humanity. Jesus is a new way to be human. Yeah, that's why they called Jesus the image of God or the new human. And not only that, they also believe that Jesus' divine life and power is now available to heal and to transform us to become our life and power. And this sounds really nice, but what does it really look like? So practically, the Apostle Paul said it looks like people being filled by Jesus' own presence and spirit, filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and integrity and gentleness and self-control. He says this is the new humanity that God wants to create in us so that we become people in whom God's image is being restored, people who will move the human project forward. And that's actually how the story of the Bible ends. It's a renewed world where God is on his throne and his servants are all around him, but they're the ones ruling over this new world, taking it into new uncharted territory with Jesus as their healer and their guide.